0: You just continue to build and to work and to labor. Attacks still come. Criticism still comes. Things will come your way. But to the labor and to those that are in a leadership role, man, you got to press on for the glory of God. But here's the key. Stay sweet doing it. Stay sweet doing it. There's a tendency, if we're not careful, sometimes you can get hardened and you can become sour. And don't do that. Stay sweet and stay humble. That's a lesson for all of us. And we can learn that from the life of Nehemiah. Nehemiah has got that burden. He surveyed the walls nocturnally at night. He saw the problem. A lot of folks say, Preacher, it's just so dark. I can't see what to do. Nehemiah did. Nehemiah searched out the city walls at night, the Bible said, And he was able to see what needed to get fixed. You know, sometimes we'll see, or well, the problem is sometimes in the darkest time of our life. That's a good principle right there that we ought to latch on to. In the darkest parts of our life, sometimes we can see the areas in our lives that need to get fixed. Fixed. That's why sometimes God allows darkness to come into our lives. Notice here in Nehemiah chapter four, I got to preach. Notice the verse one. The Bible said, "But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we built the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews, and he spake before his brethren." And the army of Samaria said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they end, make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? You see what old Sanballat looked at? Nehemiah's got a bird, man. We're going to rebuild this wall. And what Sanballat saw, Sanballat saw a mess with those burnt stones But old Nehemiah, with his leadership capabilities, he didn't see a mess, man. He saw a masterpiece. He sure did. With the hand of God and with the help of God, he got that look. All those and bowed in the enemies of God, they were were pessimistic. But old Nehemiah, he was optimistic as to what God was going to do. Notice verse 3, man. He had to deal with mockery. For the Bible said now to Tobiah the Ammonite, was by him, and he said, even, they, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Now most of us can understand that a fox is not a heavyweight animal. They're lightweight. They're light on their feet. And here, this fella, he says, "Man, there, Tobias said, a little old fox gonna jump up on whatever they build, and it's gonna fall down." They had to deal with mockery. You know, it's, it's probably more today uh, than than any point in my life. There's more folks that mock the things of God. It's amazing driving on the road and seeing some of these 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 bumper stickers that blaspheme the name of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's mockery out there. But hey, that ain't no reason to quit. That ain't no reason to come down off a wall. That's a reason to stay on the wall, man, and just press on for the glory of God. I ain't preaching on the wall tonight, but it has a lot to do with the wall. Look at verse number 4. Listen to how Nehemiah uh, prayed, man. I, uh, Nehemiah prayed, and, and boy, he, he was fervent. Now listen. He said, Hear, O our God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. I wouldn't want Nehemiah praying against me. I mean, he meant business. I mean, he pretty much said, Lord, I mean, lay it on them. Let the reproach return unto their own head. And Just, just make sure you remember this. Uh, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We don't even have to pray that way. God's going to see to it that a man's going to reap what he sows. But Nehemiah is praying, verse 5. He said, Cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. I mean, why was that thing uh, halfway built in that short amount of time? If the, key, the key is found in the last part of verse number 6. The people had a mind to work. Thank God for the working mentality that we possess and we have. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. You don't have a perfect preacher. You don't have perfect deacons. You don't have perfect Sunday school teachers. The only one that ever was perfect was the Lord Jesus Christ. I ain't preaching down to nobody. I'm just being factual tonight. But thank God for a group of people that will pull together for the cause of Christ and have a mind to work. And that's why they pressed on. You'll find a little bit later, you go on in in several other chapters down there. I believe it's in chapter 6. Where in 52 days, they rebuilt the wall. Man, they didn't have caterpillar bulldozers. They didn't have big equipment. But they had a touch of God on their life. They had a touch of God on their tools and on their efforts. And they had a mind to work, and God helped them. But notice tonight where I really want to focus starts here in verse number 7. I want you to notice directionally. They've got a mind to work, and the halves built up thereof. But you see, God's enemies was not real happy about that at all. The Bible said in verse 7, but it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth. And when you think about Sanballat, he was to the north in Samaria. And when you think about Tobiah, he was with the Ammonites to the east of Jerusalem. Geshem of the Arabians was down to the south. And then the Astrodites were to the west. If you could have drawn a map and looked at the walls of Jerusalem to the north, to the east, to the west, and to the south, they were completely surrounded, Brother Harold, by the enemies of God. And they're all mocking them. And they're angry that the walls are going up. I've often said, man, you say, well, we, we, sometimes you get a little friction from time to time. You're going to have some friction in ministry. If you don't have any friction, there ain't no motion going on, man. It takes motion to create friction. And sometimes it happens. Amen. Amen. But for the leaders as we move into this new year, man, keep your eye on the prize. Keep focused on looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You get your eyes off of Jesus, you get it on a man, you get it on an individual, you get it on a preacher, you're going to be totally disappointed. But you keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, man, he ain't never let you down. He ain't never let me down. He didn't start yesterday. He ain't going to start today. He ain't going to start tomorrow. Thank God he's the same yesterday, today, and forever you can take that to the bank he's going to be faithful let's keep our eyes on him but notice verse 8 all this crowd to the north east west and south they had to come past the city they conspired the bible said in verse 8 and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against jerusalem and to hinder it i mean the enemies of god wanted to hinder the work of the lord nevertheless verse 9 We made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. Did you notice that key there in verse 9? The Bible said they prayed. Now, we cannot overemphasize that. That's one of the most simplest things that every one of us can do as a believer, as a member of Faith Community Baptist Church. Those that are listening, you may may belong to another church. The best thing we can do is pray. I'm talking about fur. I ain't talking about a little 10-cent prayer. But to pray that God would move, that God would save souls, that God would use us, make us a usable vessel. But prayer cannot be minimized. You can't push it over to the side and say, All right, well, Lord, I'm going to rely on my physical capabilities. I'm going to rely on my intellectual capabilities, my academic uh, qualities. I'm going to do that. No, we got to rely on the Lord. This is a spiritual battle we're in, it's a spiritual war, it's a spiritual work. That takes the spiritual power of the Lord. And we need to pray that God will give us unction from another world. We need, we desperately have got to have that anointing. But look at verse 10. And Judah said, now this is God's people. Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. There is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. Now wait a minute. Verse number 6 said all the wall was joined together under the half thereof. Now, ain't tell what that said? It's been joined to the half thereof in a short amount of time. But what happened was, to the north, to the east, to the west, and to the south, the enemies of God began to chatter just a little bit, began to mock just a little bit, and the people of God, Judah, got to hearing them, and this is the conclusion they came to. The strength of the bearers of burdens is decay and there's much rubble so that we're not able to build the wall. I said earlier, sometimes you can't look at what you see. You've got to look at what you can't see. Knock out all the noise and just go on for the glory of God. Look at verse 11. Our adversaries said, they shall not know neither see till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. That's what they're dealing with here. Verse 12, It came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times from all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, I love this, be not ye afraid of them, remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall. Notice all of them did, not some of them, didn't it say all of them? All of them returned to the wall, every one unto his work. Now, verse number 10, they were greatly discouraged. They said, man, the strength of the bears of burdens are too much. They could look at what God had already did. They had a half, half of it was completed, Brother Harold. But then they thought. Then they got to hear. Well, man, you can't build this thing. They got to hear, and they got to thinking about what old Tobiah said. That little old fox would jump up, and knock that down. That light footed fox. You can't accomplish that. You can't do that. And the reality was, they couldn't do that all. But when they put their mind to work for the Lord, and they relied on Him, and Nehemiah prayed and said, "God, give us strength from another world to press on." We see what unfolded. But you know, Nehemiah, he had great leadership he had great wisdom I guess and that's one thing that all of us whether you serve and again I guess this message is sort of centered to those that are serving and will be serving but even as a child of God we desperately need wicked and we desperately need wisdom And uh, the thing about it is, you say, well, I don't know what to do. God tells us the solution and the remedy for that. He tells us in His Word. But think about this. I jotted down a few of these in time past, just some quotes about leadership, and think about it. The difference between a boss and a leader, a boss says go, and the leader says let's go. A leader is a person you will follow to a place you wouldn't go by yourself. That's a good quote. I like this one too. The Christian who is ambitious to be a star disqualifies himself as a leader. (laughs) Now did everybody get that? Let me read that again. The Christian who is ambitious to be a star disqualifies himself or herself as a leader. Vance Hadner, the old mountain preacher, said this. A leader is a person with a magnet in his heart and a compass in his head. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. The pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects the wind to change. And I tell you what, a lot of times we're a product of who we hang around. Whether optimistic or pessimistic, you hang around folks that are pessimistic, it ain't going to be long, you're going to be pessimistic. You hang around folks that are optimistic, it ain't going to be long. You're going to be sort of like this. If you hang around folks all the time, got a poochie lip, it ain't going to be long. You're going to have poochy lip. You hang around folks got joy all the time, man. It ain't going to be long. Hopefully some of that stuff will rub off on us. Amen. And I've often said this. This is a quote that I've used for years and years. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's important. I don't care if you're changing a diaper, whether you're singing in the choir, whether you're a preacher, whether you're a deacon, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, it makes it. it if you're working with the kids in the back. Uh, what if you're if you're getting together and working out fruit baskets? Man, we got to make sure. That we're, we're demonstrating the care and the compassion that the Lord Jesus Christ has shown unto us. Can I get a witness right there? And that's important as we move forward. Some things we just need to reflect on. But think about wisdom. Think about wisdom. Think about leadership. The Bible has a lot to say, and I'm going to blaze through these. Proverbs 16, 16 said, How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? A lot of folks say, man, if I could just get more silver, I could just get more gold. You know what I need? You know what you need? We need godly wisdom. We can learn it from the principles of the Word of God and from the pages of Scripture. Nehemiah demonstrated wisdom that we'll look at here in just a second. Proverbs 3.13 said, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth, understanding. Man, we can't overemphasize wisdom and understanding and as we handle things, you're going to encounter situations, you're going to encounter problems. You get in ministry, listen, if you never get involved in ministry, you probably ain't going to see many problems. Amen. You ain't going to see many issues. You get on the front line and you start serving, you're going to have some things and you're going to have to demonstrate wisdom. You're going to have to demonstrate understanding. And it's not academic. It's something that's spiritual that God will give if we will ask Him. Think about this, Proverbs 1.7 said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now this this is a lesson that I hope I've learned. And I hope that everybody here has learned. Doesn't matter what we do, we better possess a proper fear of the Lord. God entrusts us to do certain things and tasks with our body, and we'll give account one day. <laughs> There will be no excuses made. We will give an account of ourselves unto God. And we better have the proper fear. I understand the judgment seat of Christ is for believers only. I get that. It's the beam of seat, but they ain't nobody but he gonna be pushing to get to the front of the line. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta have a proper fear of the Lord. Remember, we're just we're the created being. We gotta remember the creator that made us and as we lead and and in leadership you've got to be able to have that proper fear because that's the starting point of wisdom that's where we can understand right that's where we can be wise in a spiritual way to discern the fear of the Lord for the Bible said it's the beginning of knowledge think about what Solomon said he could ask for anything God said what do you desire 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 9, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? Solomon, as the leader of God's people Israel, he understood, he had great wealth, he had great possessions, but the one thing he needed, he asked for, he said, God, I need Wisdom. How much more do you and I need to ask and beg for wisdom? You say, "Preacher, I need wisdom. I need understanding. What am I supposed to do? listen?" James one, and verse five and six, lets us know: If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abrideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing. And you've got to get to that point again it goes back to prayer you're asking God God I need wisdom I need understanding you're going to you're going to face some challenges you're going to face some obstacles along the way but I look at them as opportunities to, to win somebody to God to be a blessing to somebody along the way again you can look at it with a pessimistic view optimistic view I, I choose to be optimistic on those things spiritually but we're commanded to possess wisdom Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 10, verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. He said we're to be wise as serpents, and we're to do that. Ephesians 5, verse 15, said, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That wasn't a suggestion. That was a command. He told us to, to walk carefully, circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. What does that mean? preacher? you better make the most of your time. You better do that. I was talking to a lady today. And she said, I moved here in 1968. And I said, well, that was, was eight years before I, got, I was even born. But you know what? Time goes by quickly. We better make the most of the time that God has given us. I say this sometimes in service, and it's right. It doesn't matter if it's Sunday morning, Sunday night. We, we can put it for this service. We'll never be assembled like we are tonight ever again. Chew on that. We've got to redeem the time. Take the message of the hour, take the word of God of the hour. Redeem that time. And the Bible said, Be wise. He said, Because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. A lot of folks say, I don't know what the will of the Lord is. You know what God tells us? If we'll ask for wisdom, he said right there in that verse, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, we can discern that. We're going to have to spend some time in prayer. We're going to have to spend some time in his word so he can communicate to us. We're going to pray, communicate to him, and God gives us wisdom. But you know what? The Lord has given us three things. He's given us a lot. There are three things I want to focus in on tonight, just blazing through this. But the Lord's given us three resources to utilize. He's given us intellectual capabilities, every one of us. And I think about little Gracie back there. I mean, he, he gives us intellectual capabilities, He gives us physical capabilities, He gives us spiritual capabilities. Those three things that we have, and He gives us other things, but think about it intellectually, physically, and spiritually. God gives us a threefold thing there for us to be successful in whatever we do. I don't care what you're doing. If you're sweeping the floor, be the best floor sweeper there is. You're the if your treasure be the best treasure you be. If you're the best clerk, be the best clerk. You can be if you're the best, uh, if you're the sound man, be the best sound man that you possibly can be. You can go on and on and on. He's given us the intellectual capability, the physical capability, the spiritual capability. Now, if you wait too long to get on the wall and get on board, well, those intellectual capabilities might slow down. Those physical capabilities may slow down. But thank God you still got those spiritual capabilities when your intellectual fails and your physical falls. Thank God I'm glad there's one that sticketh closer than a brother. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. But he gives us those things. and Nehemiah had that. He had intellect. He had physical capabilities. He had spiritual capabilities in his corner. That was in his bag of leadership and wisdom. And he used them to a T to pull the people together for the cause of Christ and to accomplish what they had been assigned to do, which was to rebuild the wall. Yeah, the temple had been completed. Sure, they had already returned to the sacrifices. But the wall needed to be repaired and rebuilt and in fifty-two days they got it done. But it's not a question of if, but when the enemy's gonna attack. And they, you know, they came with accusations here and and basically they, they said they were coming uh, in a time when they didn't think they were, and boy, people just got all tore up and fear began to set in. I don't you to think about some things that uh, some something that God's people faced right here. Look at verse number 10. The Bible lets us know that they faced some physical exhaustion. I believe that was part of it. Now, according to verse number 6, half the wall has been rebuilt. So they've already done a lot, Brother Harold. I mean, they ain't been lazy. They ain't been sitting back in the hammock eating bonbons and, and, and drinking, Dunkin' coffee, man. I mean, here they are. They've been working. And, of course, sometimes when you work and you get exhausted, that's why you got to stay sweet because if you're not careful, you'll get sour. Amen. You'll get hard. And here they are, they they face a physical exhaustion. Look at verse 10 again. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. And there's much rubbish so that we're not able to build the wall. So the enemy attacks them and they hear about all that Tobiah said, all that Sanballat said, all that the Arabians said and the Ashdodites said from surrounding them to the north, east, west, and south. And now they partially begin to believe it. And they're wore out. They're weary. And they faced physical exhaustion, but not only that, I think they faced mental exhaustion. Think about this. The enemy says they're coming. You don't know when they're coming, Brother Harold. It's going to be hard to focus on what you're doing because you're looking over your shoulder. You're, you're distracted. Oh, oh! let me preach out here just a minute. As we serve uh, as a pastor, and, and, and it doesn't matter whatever you do for the Lord, you have, and I know I've hit this already just a little bit, but it's so easy to get distracted. Theory. you you gotta stay focused. Keep your eyes on the Lord, Amen. You got to do that. But they had mental exhaustion. Physically, they're wore out. Mentally, they've heard that the Astyates are coming, the Amorites are coming, is coming, Tobias coming, the Arabians—they're coming. They face physical exhaustion, mental exhaustion. And they faced the threat of a secret attack. Look at verse 11. And our adversary said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. You see, the enemy wanted to cause the work to cease. And I don't know that I've reminded you of this lately, but the enemy would love nothing more than the work at Faith Community Baptist Church to shut down. Amen, that's right. The enemy would love nothing more than the work at Mount Bethel, Baptist Church, Turner's Creek, Baptist Church, Northwood, Baptist Church, Woodland, Baptist Church, Calvary, Baptist Church. The devil would love nothing more than the work to be shut down. So they're facing physical exhaustion, mental exhaustion. They're facing the threat of a secret attack. But they're also facing the reality of an imminent attack. Look at verse 12. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came... Uh, them came. They said unto us, "Not not one time, not two times, not five times, but ten times, from all places whence uh, ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you." So they're trying to work every time they turn around, somebody's coming and saying, Hey, man, they're coming. They're coming to attack. They're coming to attack. Coming to attack. So they're facing that physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted, mentally exhausted. Even spiritually, man, they're exhausted. Are you getting a picture tonight? That's what they were facing. Well, once you get in that place and notice, sometimes... That, that, that attack, that secret attack, that imminent attack, both caused a fear of the unknown. What's going to befall us? What's going to happen to us? We're not going to be able to finish. So they begin to question the work of God. And sometimes they'll get discouraged. And workers can get discouraged. And I want to encourage you, as David did, David encouraged himself in the Lord. If you get in ministry any length of time, man, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord. But there's three measures we can take. We can be proactive, we can be inactive, or we can be reactive. So we've got the option as New Testament believers. We can be inactive. That, that's, my, that's my choice. That's your choice. God give us a free will. So like this, an individual's got to get to the point in their life prior to salvation, they need a Savior. They've got to come to that realization. They've got to call on the name of the Lord. So they call on the name of the Lord, and the Lord will say that it's a choice. Well, after we're saved, it's a choice to serve Him. It is. Nobody's going to hold a gun to your head and say, you got to do this, you got to do that. I mean, we ought to be willing to do it, but understand, we can be inactive when when things happen. Or we can be reactive. And sometimes, if we hadn't prepared, remember this, one of my favorite quotes, A fair to plan is a plan to fail. And again, there's some things that are built. you got building blocks, and you build upon, you build upon, you build upon. And sometimes it takes days. Sometimes it takes weeks. Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes it takes years. But you keep shooting for that high target and that high goal, and you stay the course, and you don't change. You don't compromise with the world and the world's ways. You just keep on pressing forward one step at a time. But if you don't and you've not made any preparation, something happens, and then you, and quickly you react, and sometimes you'll make a mistake. Sure will. We can be inactive, we can be reactive, or we can be like Nehemiah. Nehemiah was proactive. You see, he's been preparing, and God certainly assigned him for the task. He had people that had a mind to work. But this was just a display of his leadership wisdom. What was his strategy? It's very simple right here. Notice in our text, and I'm done. Look at verse 13. He dealt with that. Remember those three things that that, that we've got? Three things that they had, three things that we got. They had intellectual capabilities, right? They had physical capabilities, right? They had spiritual capabilities. We've got the same things. Nehemiah dealt with all three of those in demonstrating wisdom. Look at verse number 13. He dealt with the intellect. The Bible said, Therefore, set I, and that's Nehemiah. In the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Man, that was brilliant. Brilliant. You say, well, what's the big deal, preacher? Keep in mind that they, they they've built the wall to the half thereof. They've heard the the rumor of this imminent return as they're coming in against the people of God. Nehemiah could have put uh, two buddies together that had served in the army for six years. They might have stayed together, but Nehemiah didn't do that. Nehemiah took the families and placed them together. So there's mom and daddy. There's the little kiddos up on the wall. Some down by the low points where the breaches were, the enemy would come in. Nehemiah put them together. Because you're not going to tuck tail and run and leave your family. You might leave your buddy behind. You ain't going to leave your family behind. Yeah, man, I understand 2023 is a different culture. And there's a lot of folks who do that. I'm saying by and large, most people ain't going to leave their family. So intellectually, what wisdom he, he used by putting the families together in the exact place where the enemy would come in. So he dealt with the intellectual side. He also dealt with the spiritual side. Look at verse 14. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Who's them? That's those to the north, west, east, and south. That's Tobiah. That's uh, Sanballat. The, the others. Geshem. The Arabium. Uh, and then that other Ashtonite fellow. They so many of those names. Man, it's hard to keep up with. But notice you go on to verse 14. Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. And fight for your brethren, your sons, your, and your daughters, your wives, and your has. he said remember the Lord now what's the opposite of remember that's forget don't matter what we do don't matter what you face in life as a Christian in life in any kind of leadership role any kind of situation don't ever forget the Lord you better remember him that's the spiritual aspect we got the intellectual aspect God allowed Nehemiah to figure that out because he had wisdom he put the families together that dealt with the intellect then he had the spirits. He said, hey, listen, guys and gals, remember, you got to remember the Lord. But then he dealt with the physical side of things. And, and, and there again, he said, fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Is there a greater cause for you and I to fight today than for our family? And to fight for one another. Even here Faith Community Baptist Church. Again, there's not one. All of us are different. We got different traits. We got different characteristics. But listen, we belong. We're we're one blood through the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you like that or not, maybe some folks you like more than others, we're part of the family of God yeah man we sure are and you think about this we ought to fight for our immediate family we ought to fight for those around us see somebody struggling man you ought to try to encourage them maybe with a phone call with a text with a card i know folks don't do cards much anymore we've got a ton of folks that are sick that are out one way have you have you picked up the phone have you shot a text and and i understand it's so easy to to forget lord have mercy we got so many people that are sick right just to try to be an encouragement and a blessing to somebody alone why should i do that preacher we ought to fight for our families. There's the physical capability. We got intellectual capability. We got spiritual capability. Well, what was the outcome of Nehemiah's wisdom? Well, God made a way. Look at verse 15. It came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God, notice, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto his Work. You see, the work continued. There would have been a different result if Nehemiah had not displayed godly wisdom. He attacked the intellectual, the spiritual, and also the physical. There's some things we're gonna to have to have as we press through. We we need it every day. We're gonna to have to have God's wisdom. We're gonna to have to have God's understanding. Sister Savannah is coming in the days ahead. I'm excited, man. I'm looking forward to what God's gonna do. Again, we can be part of the problem, we can be part of the solution. As we move forward, we endeavor for the cause of Christ. I mean, there's a, great, there, there's a great need on the horizon. There are souls that are on their way to hell that need Jesus. Man, I want to be the one that's going to try to pull somebody. Now, I can't save them. You can't save them. But, man, I can be a stumbling block or I can be a stepping stone. Hey, man, I can help them out or I can hinder them. And it's up to us, up to every one of us. Man, I hope you share my burden, my desire as we move forward for the cause of Christ to be as Nehemiah was. You say, Preacher, I I need understanding. I need wisdom. Well, ask God for it. God will give it to you. Don't look in the almanac, man. Look in the Word of God. God will help you. So We stand tonight all over the house. Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to break forth the bread of life. God, one more time. Thank you, Lord, for your holy word. I thank you, Lord, for the Lord the, just the lessons that you teach me, Lord, in the book of Nehemiah. And God, I hope some of those have been relayed tonight. Pray for every person that makes up Faith Community Baptist Church, those that are really serving in a particular place or not. God, I ask, Lord, that you'd use us all for your honor, your glory. God, we sure do need to use those intellectual capabilities, those physical capabilities. But we need your spiritual hand, that unseen hand. They guide us. We know there's going to be some attacks. We know there's going to be some problems down the road. But God, I pray that you'd guide with that steady hand. Thank you, Lord, for your faith when moving this invitation time. And we'll thank you. for We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. His- Hello, friends. This is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hittings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service and every second Sunday night of each month we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from god's holy word our ladies prepare a meal each wednesday prior to our service from 5:30 p.m to 6:30 p.m i give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times above all you may be listening today and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the lord jesus christ friend that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life too many folks prepare for vacation they prepare for retirement they seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6 All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, and good works, and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away Ephesians chapter 2 the Bible said therefore by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God You must understand that you're loved I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life Romans 5 and verse 8 declares but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other... For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, He said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house.